0: This is the Mike Corley program. The great tendency to say, well, if Mr. So-and-so said it, it must be okay, because Mr. So-and-so is such a big guy, you know, he's such a well-known guy, he has such a big church, he's written so many books. Don't ever make that mistake. The outward person of the messenger does not validate his message. Rather, the nature of his message validates the messenger. Wake
1: Engaging today's culture with biblical truth.
2: Mike Corley is on right now.
0: The gospel is being preached. Christ is being made known. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And we say welcome Radio That Is Not ashamed of the gospel. and uh, Today's program, Pastor Scott Ryber is here with us again. Welcome back to the program, brother.
2: Thank you, brother.
0: Um, I think before you were my pastor, we were actually trying to get to be buddies, wasn't we, until you tried yeah, to, yeah. to put me in my place by no, coming out no, of the radio station and no. making me look bad no. in front of public on the radio. No,
2: but that's just, okay. I got I over listen it. Listen to this, this radio and this guy had, you know, MacArthur and Alistair Begg and all these guys on the radio. <laughs> and I went... Who is this masked man? Then he shows up with about eight different books.
0: And uh, what followed after weeks of counseling on my part uh, finally got me over the shame, the ridicule, and the poor self-esteem that resulted from being put in my place. But I'm okay with it. It was a learning experience, and I'm a better man for it.
2: I was totally intimidated by being on the air. I am sorry, man, I'm going to make some mistakes.
0: Uh, It's like I said in broadcasting school, you know, even a monkey can do a radio program. Just turn the thing on. We're going to be talking about contemporary evangelicalism. Sounds like a big word, but today's church. How we got to this point, or we're, we've we been having these discussions on what is the gospel. And I said in the beginning we were going to have the discussion in the terms of what is the gospel, what isn't the gospel. And today we're going to kind of look at how the majority of contemporary Christianity got to where it is today. What brought me to this point of wanting to have this discussion is... Um, a Sunday school class recently here at Westminster where someone had, uh, we're studying um, the th- three uh, classic works of R.C. Sproul, and uh, right now on the book, The Holiness of God, and there's a, a section in uh, the chapter that we're on where uh, R.C. Sproul talks about Pelagianism and Augustinianism.
2: And everybody said, who's that?
0: <laughs> yeah, and somebody said, well, what is Pelagianism? And that led right in, and you said this question was asked some time ago, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, whatever. Yeah. And uh, uh, being the, the wise uh, sooth that you are, sooth, uh, <laughs> you, you played it right into the Sunday School lesson, just mixed it beautifully.
2: Um, it was a lot of fun. We found that uh, uh, tape from White Horse Inn. and
0: Right, right. Uh, Michael Horton and the White Horse Inn uh, gang. That was a tremendous video. We're going to post it on the website, church website as well. But before we get into the contemporary Kind of give us, if you can, in about six minutes, no pressure, um, what is the gospel, Scott Reiber? If someone wanted to ask you, what is the gospel? How do you how do you explain it to them in six minutes?
2: Well, I think when we begin to talk about the gospel, we have to uh, begin with God and uh, who he is, mm-hmm. because if we don't know about who God is, then we don't know about who we are and our problem with God in terms of sin. And so uh, the Bible, as the Bible begins, uh, in the beginning, God, he's not only the creator of the ends of the earth, but he's the sovereign ruler of all things. He didn't need to make the world, but he did for the display of his own glory, uh, that God is good and that God is love, and uh, very importantly, that God is a holy God. And as king, he creates, and he made man in his own image to reflect his glory. And, of course, uh, we know that that wonderful relationship between God and man did not uh, last because Mm -hmm. uh, man fell to temptation in the garden. And uh, the whole matter of sin and the fall is very important if we're going to understand the gospel that uh sin as is written first john is the transgression of the law and uh we sin by works of uh commission we we do what god has forbidden mm-hmm. and then we all have fallen short of the glory of god we we fail to measure up to that standard of uh, perfection which is seen in god and reflected in his law and of, of course there are some consequences for that uh, uh God said to Adam and Eve the day that they ate of that tree, they would surely die. And we know it wasn't uh, kind of a version of of, uh, taking a bite of the apple and they fell over and croaked. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was separation from God. And uh, that, you know, spiritual death, and of course eventually uh, physical death, separation of body and soul. And unless something intervenes, eternal death. In, in hell separated from the comfortable presence of God in heaven and exposed to his wrath and hell forever and so uh, you know on the one hand he has got us creator you know we self we deceive ourselves thinking that we are uh, simply self-existent independent can do our own thing it is we who have made us and not God himself right. rather than the other way around and I'm okay you're okay uh, I think I'm okay my Friends think I'm okay. God ought to think I'm okay, and do not realize that I'm dead while I'm living. I'm
0: so, knowing who God is, knowing who we are,
2: understanding what who, our predicament in sin before God—Romans
0: three is a great yes, passage to read that.
2: absolutely. And and part of that is that uh, God's judgment upon those who who sin. Not, you know, not only do we have a problem of sin separates us from God, but it has consequences in terms of the wrath of God. Uh, the good news of the gospel, though, is that God, instead of giving us what he's de- what we deserve, sent His own Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into mm-hmm. the world. And it's important if we're going to understand the gospel, understand who Christ is as the second person of the Trinity, as the eternal Son of God who comes into the world, and He not only reveals God as the great, you know, as the Word incarnate, as First John talks about, but uh, He is one who never committed of the least sin, and the amazing thing is that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that he becomes our substitute upon the cross of Calvary, and there bears that wrath of God in our place. And the whole idea, the Bible talks about Christ being our redeemer, one Mm -hmm. who paid the price. Took it for us. Yes, uh, our substitute, yes. Yes. And uh, so, on the cross, you learn about both God's holiness—that He will by no means clear the guilty—and you learn about God's love and mercy that He not only allows a, uh, a substitute, but He mm-hmm. provides the perfect substitute in the Redeemer Jesus Christ. And uh, which brings us to the you know the last part in the application of redemption. You got one minute. You want to keep going? Thank you. <laughs> Re- no, faith that, that's and re- fine. Re- well, faith no. and repentance, you know, uh, f- you know, that we trust in Christ, casting ourselves upon Him alone for salvation. And as we trust and we turn from sin and repentance, as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, there's the great exchange of justification that God pardons all of our sins and accounts us as righteous in His sight by the righteousness of Christ being put to our account. Totally a work of God. Yes. Totally by his choosing. Salvation by grace alone, uh, by Christ alone, through faith alone.
0: And it's not a matter of us accepting Christ. It's a matter of Christ accepting us.
2: Yeah, and so much of the way, you know, Christianity, the gospel isn't about me doing better so much. I mean, there's the call, the necessity of repentance and faith, but those things themselves are the gift of God. The big issue is what Jesus Christ has done, and we cry out to God for mercy that we may be accepted in him.
0: Let's take a break. When we come back, Ephesians chapter 2. Get your Bibles out. I've had a brainstorm. We'll continue. (laughs) What is the gospel or let's put it this way, what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. We'll continue with the discussion with Pastor Scott Reiber, and we'll be back after this.
1: Has so I know
0: why I'm Welcome back. Pastor Scott Reiber and I are talking about what is the gospel. In a moment, we're going to talk a little bit about what the gospel isn't and kind of look at contemporary Christianity. Now, you brought up the point as we were talking about uh what the gospel is and i ask the question it's not a matter of we accepting christ it's a matter of christ accepting us and it's you said it's not a point of me doing better or trying harder because uh we can't do enough we can't be ever be good enough ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 everybody uh, most people can recite it for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves that is the gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast. And the emphasis there, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And kind of ties in with where we're going ultimately in this discussion for this week. It's by God's choosing. It's by God's decision, by God's grace. Um, it's not us calling God down to ourselves whenever we just get feel like the time is right and, and uh, the mood is right and the feelings are right.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. The, the, I think the confusion comes to the to the point about in what condition were we before we were made alive in it, Christ.
0: It goes back to those two points that you you started with. Who is God? Who are we? I'll hammer that nail to the cows. Come home. But well, go it was ahead.
2: our situation in sin, because uh, earlier in that very chapter which you read, it the apostle says, "And you, He made alive, right. who were." dead right. in trespasses and sins, which which tells us, uh, it keeps us away from this notion that it's salvation by my the things I do plus what Jesus does, which mm-hmm. destroys grace, which destroys the whole matter of justification, which is at the heart of the gospel. Let me just read a co- confirmation of what you said just a moment ago, okay. and this is in Second Thessalonians 2.13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through being set apart by the spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, and that... and that. The apostle is very precise in setting forth th- that order. He says, you know, he thanks God. He chose you from the beginning for salvation. And then people come along and tell you, well, if that's true, you know, we're all, you know, why preach the gospel or what? But you notice it's through belief in the truth. And how did that belief in the truth come about? He called you by our gospel you know, as the apostle went and preached the gospel.
0: Why, and this question is going to answer itself, I think. Why do people, uh, well, when naturally the, the lost are going to have this opinion, but why do so many who claim the name have such a hard time and even outright deny the the concept, the doctrine that God chooses? They, they You know, we get deep into theology and, and go talk about semi-Pelagianism, that sort of thing. But, you know, it's totally our—Pelagianism says it's totally our choosing. Semi-Pelagianism right. says it's a commingling—you know, what right. it, what's the term synergistic? Commingling pretty good, synergism. As, Um But you can—you know, you know as, as well as I do, there's been people who have wanted my hide on a wall because I dare say that only God
2: can choose. Yes. Well, in, in the moment that you say— uh, you know, when you answer the question, why did God save me? And you go to anything outside of God himself. I mean, if you go to something outside of God's grace, uh, outside of his His mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you begin to say, well, it was because I did this or I chose this. Mm-hmm. or God looked down through time and saw, you know, the merit badges hanging from my chest, you know, that I made <laughs> this decision. You've done just that. You begin Wonderful to you. give talk about merit and, and worth. And, and there's two, two major problems with that. One of them is that the, the Scriptures uh, flatly uh, deny it on the one hand, and it certainly destroys grace. Maybe I could list a whole bunch more than two. But, the, but this, this whole matter of at, that lies at the heart of the gospel, justification that I am pardoned of my sins and accounted righteous by this act of God's grace – and only for the sake of Jesus Christ and uh when we begin to add to Jesus Christ and as the reason for my pardon or the reason for my righteousness uh the reason for my salvation then and i don't think most people believe, really mean to be doing that you know but we're in big trouble when we do you know and of course it leads to a lot of other you know methodology kind of
0: thing well it goes back to the two points I said I always hammer if you especially who we are, if you have the belief that we are not really dead, spiritually dead, that there's some glimpse, some glimmer of life in you, then that's going to put the ball back in your court that you have some say so some ability uh, call some shot. If you're dead, then it can only be by God's choosing and God's power. So, so, you know, it's like the common phrase, you know, people say, I've pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Well, it might, might apply when you're working in a factory and sure. you get promoted to foreman sure. or whatever. That don't play into the realm when you're talking about your eternity.
2: Right. And, and when, when we say that, some some people don't do want, you know, they get... You know, they take the, uh, the metaphor, you know, being dead, and they say, well, you know, but these people I see who don't give a rip about Jesus Christ, they're standing up and walking around, and they seem yeah. neighborly, and they seem to, I mean, you know, hey, they uh, give the United Way and all the rest of this kind of stuff, but we're talking about in terms of the, uh, uh, being spiritually dead mm-hmm. and morally incapacitated to please God. And Paul says in Romans 8, those who are in the flesh cannot... Please God. Uh, He talks about this very thing in Ephesians 2. He, He says, you know, basically fills out what this means to be dead in trespasses and sins. He says, you once walked, you lived according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom all we all, all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. It doesn't say that we were somehow on some kind of a neutral plane, you know, but we were children of wrath. We were under that common condemnation.
0: Now, you're the scholar here. What <laughs> – he, he laughs – uh, he is. Um, Mike studies and reads a lot. Well, I sure. do, but I, I, I can't go back and to, to root words and things like that. When when Ephesians chapter 2 uses the term dead, what does it mean by the term dead? Because then, like you were saying, people will associate that as perhaps the only way they know as the body ceasing to, to have life. But the scripture says you were dead in your trespasses and sin, not sick or ailing or wounded or something like that. It says dead. What does that word "dead" mean no.
2: Well, when we are just just to use the analogy, uh, when a person is is uh, physically dead, uh, you could sit the uh, medicine right beside the bed. And that was the cure for the disease, but well, well, if he's I mean, dead, like, it's death. <laughs> if he's dead, he's dead. You know, there's you know, somebody's
0: going to have to come in and, and pump his chest or.
2: Or something. Well, if he's dead, he's dead He's been three days like Lazarus in the tomb You can pump his chest, you can pour the medicine on him You can do all the rest of the kind of stuff It's not going to make, make any But the Almighty is going to have to say come forth
1: We're
2: going to take a
0: break Great discussion um, We'll continue when we come back Pastor Scott Robert, i Mike Corley Stay right there I'm just thankful to, I don't have, I told someone this, this today, I do not know how anyone can have any real sense of assurance if they are not totally dependent and have a knowledge of total dependence on God. Why in the world would we ever want to try to rely on any quote unquote ability that we have when if you believe scripture, it says that we are unable, unable that we're depraved. Yes. And that there's you know, we were mentioned in Romans chapter three a while ago. It says I'm not gonna read it. It says that we, we don't seek after God, we don't want to seek after God, we don't care about God, uh, we're his enemy, our tongues are you know, are, are um, you know, just we're just bad and we don't care.
2: And that's where and that's what that matters when you're talking about being dead and trespasses and sin is all about. So not only that corruption of the entire part of man, I think I think a lot of folks want to think that uh, you know, politicians this time of year in election season want to tell us about how the you know the, the goodness of the American people. And hey, glad for the people who give to charities and everything else. But spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, uh, before God speaking, right? Uh, there's none righteous, no, no, not one, one. right? And so the corruption it, it extends to my mind, my affections. That I, I like the things that God hates, and I hate the things God likes. And uh, mind, emotions, affections, uh, desires, and so that means I, my will, I, I decide for, I choose those things which are are wicked, and that, that sort of thing. So there's a corruption of the entire nature, but also that whole matter of our inability. And uh, you said it. Uh, uh, so those who are in the flesh, says the apostle, cannot please God, and it doesn't say may or, or sometimes under the right circumstances, but that's part of what that being dead and trespasses and sins uh, is all about. And so a lot of people have the notion, well, if God commands me to do something, I must have the ability to do it, you know, which is the Pelagian thing that you were right. talking about earlier. And uh, God says, be perfect. God says, be holy as I am holy. Well, I can't do that. I can't do that either. I mean, you know, it's like somebody, if somebody sh- showed up in the church parking lot and said, yeah, I'd like to even sell you the uh, Empire State Building, can give you a really good deal today on it. Uh, forget that. <laughs> it's not. Gonna- I messed up just walking down the hall a while ago. Yeah, I can't do that, you know. Uh, yeah, and th- that, that uh, those two matters I think are, are so important. Uh, for us to understand when we talk about what spiritual death is. And, of course, that's the reason why the gospel, on the other hand, talks about being born again. You know, we don't cause ourselves to be born, you know. Mm. Uh, it talks about being brought, for a resurrection, from being brought from death to life. Lazarus, what did he contribute? Well, he was dead. You're dead. <laughs> you know, so so the, the necessity of God coming and doing a work in a person's heart
0: someone is listening to this program they've listened to several in this uh, series of discussions we've had and they may be asking the question or, or saying to themselves or would like to tell us if they could get in front of us what you're telling me this is them speaking what you're telling me goes against everything that i have believed all my life i've always been taught that i except Christ when I feel like it and when I think the time is right, or I'm not spiritually that there's that uh, glimmer of hope within my soul, or there's only the, whole, the hole well, in my heart that only God can feel, yeah. Yeah. and that sort of thing. What do you say to someone who says that? What I've been believing all these years, you're telling me now is wrong?
2: Well, I think J.I. Packer does a really good job of saying, you know, to, to getting us to rethink that very thing that... You know, the hypothetical person would say here. And that is when you get down on your knees and you pray for your child, your husband, your wife, your, you know, somebody in your family, somebody you work with, for them to be saved. I don't know of anyone who gets down on their knees and says, Well, Lord, I know you've really done everything that's possible to be done, so I really am wasting my time down here on my knees. No, we pray, Lord, save them. You know, give them eyes, give them ears, uh, uh, bring conviction of sin. May they see the, the sufficiency and the beauty of the Savior that they may flee to Him, run to Him, cast themselves entirely upon Him. And by the same token, when when you get down on your knees and you thank the good Lord for salvation, we don't say, "Well, Lord, I know You did all that You could," and it really the reason why I'm going to ultimately the reason reason why I end up in heaven is because I decided. To do that, no, no. Well, that goes against
0: the grain of everything that you've been talking about and reading from Scripture.
2: It goes totally opposite of it, right? And we'll stand up on Sunday morning, and we'll sing it. "Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was, you know, blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. You know, we'll sing it, but somehow when it comes to articulating the theology, we don't want to do that.
0: I would say to someone, and 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 trying to be kind about it, because I can be a little rough around the edges sometimes, um, that if it, if it comes to the point of having to be told this is wrong or what you believed is wrong, or, what you were taught is wrong, and you can bear that out by Scripture, not by opinion or you know, some personal practice, then I would just have to say, you know what? I'd rather be wrong and discover it now than to go through the rest of my life on this earth thinking I'm right. Does that make any sense?
2: Yeah, it's it's. I I know. I was raised in a Presbyterian church and heard these things, but I had a really hard, bony head. And I've been in a a, a parachurch organization when I was at University of Southern Mississippi. And and one of the things that happens is if you believe that really ultimately it is up to man, then you change the gospel and you round off those hard edges about repentance and man's inability and what we deserve before a holy God. And, you know, it's kind of do God a favor and uh, invite him uh, into your heart. Rather than you need to surrender and cry out to God for mercy, beg for mercy. Yeah. A very, very
0: interesting program. We have one segment left and we invite you to stay with us. Let's take a break. We'll be back. It's radio that is not ashamed of the gospel. I don't know what program you're, you've listened to before this. Maybe you have listened to it on the radio station. Maybe you're listening to a podcast. Uh, but what you're listening to today is probably unique to what you heard before or after you listen to this. Uh, we're talking about, you uh, know, just, it just really is just Scott Reiber and I sitting at a table here in the church, microphones on, and we may plan out a strategy or direction that we want to go, but we may not go that direction. We... You know, kind of talked about talking about contemporary evangelicalism and how, uh, and we'll we'll do that over the course of maybe next week or week after that. It doesn't make any difference if the Lord comes or or we die. It doesn't make any difference anyway. <laughs> you used a phrase, Scott Robert, before we went to this last break about rounding off the edges. That we, uh, I think we all do it at some point or to some extent of rounding off the edges of the truth in order to kind of uh, fit it into our our square hole or whatever. Um, why? And and you see that you correct me. You tell me if you think I'm wrong or go too far. Uh, a majority of contemporary Christianity, especially in America is about rounding off the edges,
2: hmm.
0: trying to fit it, trying to change the gospel to fit the way we want to accept it. Would yeah, you so, be, would you be safe in me saying majority?
2: Yes. I, I think so. I think, I think, uh, and I think we're reaping the results of this. I agree with that. Because what we do is we want so bad to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, nickels and noses, you know. And, and, and I understand there's a, there's a good motive there in the sense that I want to reach people for Christ. I want to get a lot of people. To fit, but I can't uh, make the gospel more palatable to someone who is in love with the world— in, and, and so I take this blood-bought truth of Christ I take the gospel and I, I change it and mold it to make it palatable to those people because you can come to the point, and this is my great concern, to where, well, to put it bluntly, you butcher that person's soul. I mean, because we have we – have, in, in modern evangelicalism, we have a, a, a huge problem where the church looks like the world. Now, you've got some people who are trying to change the gospel to make it into uh, uh, the, the, the gospel is about me living a, a life of obedience. And if I live consistent life of obedience, one day that I'm saved. Now, don't get me wrong. Those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are his sheep, the, you know, his sheep. Uh, uh, know his voice, they hear it, and they follow him. But the reason why they're right before God is not because they're following Christ, but because of Christ's righteousness and his shed blood upon the cross of Calvary. But you understand what I'm saying here, mm-hmm. right? Does it make I mean, yeah, sense Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, others others will take and and just say, okay, we'll, we'll simply divide the gospel. We'll talk – or we'll divide Christ. We'll present him as the loving Savior – And you believe on him unto salvation, eternal life. And if you want uh, sort of the extra super duper Christian life experience Mm -hmm. and jewels in your crown and a bigger mansion in glory, then you can do the repentance thing and follow him as Lord. And, uh, you know, I myself personally was confronted by that sort of truncation of the gospel By looking at Christ dealing with the rich young ruler, yeah, who and Jesus comes to him and shows him his sin, and after the man would not turn from his sin, wouldn't give up. You know, he had a golden god and he clutched his riches, and when he was told to give them up to follow Christ, he loved those things more than Christ. And there's no record that Jesus went running after him and, and, and said, Oop, wait, hold on, come back, guy, come back. You know, I'm just kidding you. you just kidding. Me. You can accept me as Savior and then Psych. You know, you know, later on you can, you know, accept me as Lord and, and follow me and do the repentance thing if, if you want to. Can you believe all of the
0: hoopla and all the you know, the grief that John MacArthur was given when he made statements like that, hmm. that he can't be Savior and, then, and not Lord? He's Savior and Lord it goes yes. back to my little simplistic statement that I've, I've used example I've used about how I used to, and I looked at my one of my old bibles the other day that I wrote in the front of the bible says it, I believe it and that settles it sure but well, then later on when I when I had this greater understanding I went back and I and I crossed out I believe it sure and it just says god says it that settles it yeah that's the difference between i think in, in affirming the sovereignty of god and not yeah. how can you tell a dead person just stand there and look at him and say come alive come on come alive come alive todd Friel has a wonderful example in the videos on my on the sponsor blog site on our website at mikecorley.org where he explains contemporary uh, christianity in the sense of there's a person in a lake and he's flapping his arms and he's drowning and contemporary christianity standing off on the bank throwing hot dogs at him he says we love you brother we know you're hungry here how about a hot dog we want to try to feed you. Here we go. Have you got one of our t shirts? Here. Throws him the t shirt. Well, the drowning guy says, Thank you. And he's still drowning. But the opposite side is diving into the water, going out to that person, getting him and drawing him back to the bank to save him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, and it was a seven minute video oh, really? that Todd Friel did that I thought just explained it was a great example. In um, the final minutes or so that we've got left here. Uh, you said that you're okay with using the, the term the majority of Christianity. Takes this uh, Christianity light, this uh, easy believism, uh as Bonhoeffer said, this cheap grace. Um, kudos to our friend Justin Peters, who recently uh, had an encounter with uh, Joel Osteen at Lakewood Church. And wow. the video is on Justin's Facebook page, and I'm working on the audio, trying to clean it up. But Justin tells Joel Osteen that without preaching sin and repentance, you're not preaching the gospel. Amen. And, I mean, the old boy just was in his scooter and looking at Osteen square yeah, dead now and, and telling him that. Without
2: Nun. preaching uh, an atoning work of Christ, yes. Do you know how odd, how sadly, how odd that is? The, 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 thing, the, the thing, it is sad. You know, to, to me, here, here you, you, you turn to the television channel. Everybody's seeing it. Yeah. And here are. Thousands upon thousands of people, you know, and they got their mouths open, and he's, he's scooping this in. And then, of course, you know, any, anytime you say anything about anything, people, you know, excoriate. Well, you're being intolerant, you know, yeah. or you're being unkind. Or... If, but if I think that God is the celestial coach, so that if I follow his directions, he will help me have my best life now. Mm-hmm. That's all fun and interesting, and maybe sales you, books. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe you've got uh, a list of oh, supposedly a thousand people, you know, believe in Christ or whatever, <laughs> however many thousands.
0: Three hundred fifty thousand is what Osteen told Justin. But real quick, before it's we lose time, uh, what is the main? Yeah, what is the major problem then with using your best life now and this uh, easy believism approach? The major problem
2: is that it's not Scripture. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. You're, you don't. You don't understand. And you can't say that it is. Uh, the cross of Christ, yes. I, exactly what well, you can say it is, but it's, it's not. But it's not. Yeah. The, the, the cross of, of Christ is central to the gospel. And unless we understand us, uh, our sins before a holy God, that we rot, lie under his wrath, and that uh, if we died that instant and, and were brought before his presence, God wouldn't say, I love you and have a wonderful plan for your life. hmm you know, it would be, depart from me, I never knew you. Mm. And the the, the the gospel, if we're going to be preachers of the gospel, we've got to call men to forsake their wickedness and their rebellion and throw all of that down and embrace Christ and faith and follow him as Lord.
0: Oh, this is so, so very important. You know what we call programs like this? Uh, well, we would call them this if, if Robert and I were getting paid for it. We call it job security. This is program <laughs> security because this will continue next time. Romans 1:16 is where we leave you as we do always the apostle Paul wrote that i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation to all those who believe to the jew first and also the greek. Lord bless you. We'll see you next time.
1: And that God found a way not to change His character, not to deny His right emotions, but also not to sentence us to eternal damnation, but to provide for us a way of salvation. There is no one like Jesus. There is no religion that properly understands Jesus other than Christianity when rightly taught from the Bible and what I love is that like Nehemiah Jesus ended in prayer. And what did he pray? Father He's dying. Father forgive them. That's Jesus. And here is the good news. God need not be angry with any of you. That if you confess your sins to Jesus and place your faith in Him and His death and burial and resurrection is credited to you. There's this great exchange. He takes your sin and God's angry wrath and He gives you His righteousness and God's unending love. That's the exchange.
2: To find out more about topics and resources discussed on the program, call 888-253-9254 or log on to mycorley.org.